What's going on, Packers fans? Aaron Negler here with Andy Herman, ready to talk some football with the Don Packers coverage all over the internet. Andy, uh, the Packers won another game, this time in convincing fashion. Who are these guys? Uh, What was your kind of overall take on this game with, I guess, a lot to get to because all three phases really showed out in this shellacking of the Minnesota Vikings? That was fun, right? Like that was a very that was a very. <laughs> it didn't fun suck. Game. I'll tell you that. You know, <laughs> it, it didn't this, suck. This really, uh, you know, we we had spoken. You know, the last time we saw each other, we put together a whole agenda of how we were going to attack. You know, all the different facets of this team. It's just it's ruining our agenda, Aaron. But now this no, was seriously. This was, <laughs> this was absolutely amazing. This was a very fun victory from beginning to end, save for a couple garbage time touchdowns. And this was the first time where you saw sort of, I think the vision of this team kind of come to fruition and you sort of get a real feel of like, okay. And it's not ever going to be like perfect like this more often than not, right. but like, this is what they are absolutely capable of. And yeah, they get a couple balls that bounce their way and things like that, but they, they generated a lot of their own quote unquote luck in this game. Although, you know, just, they did spray down the middle of the field to make things difficult. Oh, <laughs> well played. Other than Andy's that, been reading Reddit. Nice. I know, well right? done. Well done. Other than that, uh, no, I, I thought the, the pressure up front, you know, causing Kirk Cousins to get off of his spot, the defense actually playing team defense, flying around to the football. The difference between first half Dolphins to second half Dolphins and carrying over into this game was just, I, I don't know what the heck happened. I don't know who hit what button, but whatever Jared it was. Jared Gray, cussed him out, man. Jared Gray should have cussed him out weeks ago. Week I one, mean, we would have been we'd be covering an undefeated team right now if I think seriously. that happened at halftime of week one. But uh, it, it's just it was fun all the way around. Keyshawn Nixon, he gets three plays. He has you know, 105-yard kick return, a 10-yard punt return, and the other one, he's just like, ah, we don't even need it at this point. So just, right. it's, it's been unbelievable and fun to watch. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned, you kind of started with where I wanted to start, uh, with the defensive line. And the fact that you go back and you watch the game, and there's so little kind of in the way of pressure calls, like true kind of bringing a, even a fifth guy, let alone a sixth guy. Um, the, they did work up front, and it wasn't you know anything too exotic. There are some stunts here and there, but for the most part, it was a four-man rush almost exclusively. And whether it was Kenny Clark, who you expect to make plays, or TJ Slayton, who I thought had a really good game, especially against the run, um, and Holland's coming off the edge and getting the sack. It's like they got contributions from everywhere, and it was just – and I know, look, I know the, the Vikings' offensive line was was down a number of players. And yeah. so, yes, these are matchups you expect them to win. But I didn't expect them to do it in the fashion they did so consistently. Uh, we've yeah. seen them up against, you know, competition that they should take advantage of before, and they haven't. And they most certainly did that yesterday. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing that you said there is that it was coming from everywhere, right? And we can talk about the Clark Force fumble and fumble recovery. We can talk about the Amos and Savage and Rudy Ford picks, all of them, you know, fantastic plays in and of themselves. But uh, kind of when I asked Matt yesterday about the, the Darnell Savage play, yeah, this, the pick is awesome, but it's all the little stuff that's going on in between it. I thought right. the defensive line just, this was 11 guys finally doing their job, as, not only just individually, but playing team defense. And it starts with your defensive line. I've said for a long time, this defense goes as Kenny Clark goes. And when he has the ability to be a complete bully up front, it changes everything. I don't think the Vikings ever really got into a comfort zone trying to run the football. And then, of course, they're 
ball behind the eight ball really early in this game. And Kirk Cousins has got to throw the ball a ton, which is going to be a little bit more advantageous. But, you know, Jair Alexander uh, helping out or not helping, but like shutting down uh, Justin Jefferson on the outside. Yeah, of course, he had a little bit of help over the top at times. You'd be stupid not to. Guess who else did? Christian Watson on the other side. Yeah, you're going to have a safety over the top of the opposing team's best receiver more often than not. But they played team defense. They rallied to the football. It started up front. And, you know, we go back to training camp, Aaron. And I think in hindsight, a lot of the the, the talk about the, 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 the front defensive line, edge rushers, et cetera, and training camp was in hindsight probably – because they were going up against Jake Hansen and Royce Newman a lot um, <laughs> in training camp. But if you it's remember in training camp, funny because it's true. I know. Right. But like Jerron Reed, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, th- those guys were eating the offensive line lunch every yep. single day. And we went into the season. I know Joe, Joe Barry did too, because he didn't call a blitz for like the first three games of the season. I think he saw that in camp and is like, I don't need to bring anyone. These I've are my guys. guys. Yeah, exactly. Just go right. And this is one of the first times we really saw those guys. And it wasn't like, again, like a 10 sack performance or anything, but where you saw, uh, you know, obviously Clark and, and even guys like Hollins and Enigbari and Preston, who's been awesome as of late, those guys just go get after it. It's just been really fun to watch. Yeah, the way they constricted the pocket. And that was the thing. Cousins even mentioned it post game. Like, were there a number of times where he wanted to wait for something to break open? He just didn't have the time. Like, yeah. there were too many instances where, you know, you've got to, as a QB, you got to have a clock in your head. And it's funny, you go back and you watch week one, how many of his plays that he made happened just as a Packers defender is arriving or a beat before the Packers defense gets to him. That was ex- totally flipped on its head yesterday with the, he didn't have that extra second and it made all the difference. You talk about a game of inches, that to me, I know we're, we'll talk about Jair, but it's like everyone wants to talk about everything that happens on the back end. Well, it doesn't you know, mean a whole lot if you're giving the quarterback time, which they just didn't yesterday. And, and I thought a great that's example the biggest that. difference. And I thought a great example of that was, I think it was the Justin Holland sack where they've mm-hmm. got, I think it was a linebacker across from um, Jefferson and just kind of yep. get in the way. And then they got Amos behind him and Jefferson cuts one way and Amos kind of bites that way. And then he's going to run back across on like a post. And it certainly looked, I saw it live. I haven't saw the all 22 yet, but I saw it live. When I looked at it live, I'm like, Oh, he's going to break wide open. I wasn't even watching the rush. I was just watching Jefferson. Cause I saw right. a linebacker over him to begin with. They mentioned it on the, they literally mentioned it on the broadcast. It was a oh, backer they? on Jefferson. Well, they just, the, just the matchup. Like gotcha. it was so, it was like, uh, guys, <laughs> like it yeah. was hundred percent noticeable. And then Amos gets, you know, kind of beat on a double move. I think if Kirk Cousins has any time, that that's probably a big touchdown to Justin Jefferson. And it, you know, changes the game, at least to talk about Jefferson a little bit in that game. But uh, instead, Justin Hollins gets to the QB and, you know, he doesn't have the opportunity to throw that ball. So, again, it's team defense. It's everyone doing their job and helping everyone else out. It's it's mind-blowing, Aaron, what can happen when that happens. What a find, too, in Hollins. I mean, he's not an all-pro or anything, but the fact that they got this guy off the street, you know, the fact that, he there he is playing meaningful minutes in a week 17 game and making a difference. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a feather in a cap to the, the personnel department because you know, once Rashawn went down, you knew they were gonna have to do a whole heck of a lot. And they did yesterday. They sent Walker off the edge a couple of times. Like they, they're trying to manufacture something, but that's just a job well done, both by the personnel department and then Holland's just kind of sticking with it. And you know, sometimes you never know how guys are gonna react when you know clearly the Rams decided they didn't you know need him anymore or want him or think he was up to snuff and look the packers are the beneficiaries especially in that play in particular um you just never really know you know who's going to rise to the fore and i just love seeing like you know this guy what i'm not going to say an afterthought but it's not like we came into this matchup talking about 
Hollins needing to get to the quarterback, you know, and yet he did. And it's a huge play in the game. And just to that point, like three very under the radar signings, Hollins, Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford. How about right. their, like the the combined performance of those three yesterday, Hollins, huge sack Incredible. that may have prevented a touchdown, Rudy Ford pick, Keyshawn Nixon, 105 yard kick return. Those are just like the under the radar signings that like nobody even made anything out of when they happened and just, you know, incredible for the personnel department. I mean, fantastic. Now let's talk about Jair because I mean, I you can't deny it. He's the headline coming out of this game. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me because, you know, obviously Vikings fans are, as you mentioned, uh, pointing to the fact that, oh, there's a safety over the top. And I think for people maybe uh, who don't break down film, who don't kind of study X's and O's, they might think, oh, well, they're just doubling him all the time. And that's not the case. You know, it's still very much or there still was a whole lot of not even call it strict man coverage, but there was way more man concepts in this defensive play sheet than there was in week one. What's kind of mind-numbing to me, though, is it was so obvious early in this game that Jair was going to travel with Jefferson. Why did it take to week 17? Like, why? where was that week one? Like, this just seems – why does it need, like, months of pontification for Joe Barry and company to say, oh, you know what? Maybe we should let our great player off the leash a little bit. Like, I just – to me, that – I try not to dwell on that because it's an awesome performance and Jair absolutely rose to the occasion. He walked the walk or talked the talk all week, absolutely walked the walk on the football field. But like, I know this, I know he can do that. Why, why does it take getting to week 17 in a must win situation and desperation and you've got to have it for this staff to make that change? Like, it's just kind of, it's very frustrating to me. Unfortunately, I think one of the the storylines of this season, and we'll see how it ends up playing out if they win the next game and you know make a little run. Who knows what happens? But who knows? I think one of the the storylines of the season is that unfortunately they were they were late to I think a lot of changes on this team this year. Whether it be going from Amari Rogers to Keyshawn Nixon, whether it be uh, you know on the offensive side of the ball getting Elton Jenkins back over to left guard, whether noticing that Zach Tom is one of their probably their best five best offensive linemen, especially no when you're doubt. putting Jay Hansen and Royce Newman out there to start Lord. the season. Um, you know, whether it's on defense, playing more physical coverage at the point of attack, specifically with Jair Alexander and letting him travel with team's best wide receivers, whether it be blitzing more often that they didn't do at the beginning of the year and realize a, a bit too late that they had to do a little bit more of that. We could go on and on, Aaron, but I think that is unfortunately one of the stories of the season is it just took a bit too long to make some of these adjustments. Some things that, again, I'm not even saying like, you know, experts were in on this, like the, the, the casual fan were calling for a lot of this stuff far I mean, earlier in the season. It's so. not rocket science, you know? It's uh, not that's, and that's what's so frustrating. Like, yeah, it can get complicated. And to the point that Matt and Joe made after the week one game, like, yes, are there repercussions if you choose to do that? Yes. But you have a great player that you essentially, the first matchup, somewhat neutered, you know, in, in your approach. So I, in the moment, I mean, I was losing my mind because I love watching Jair compete. It was awesome but man going back and watching it today like from a viewpoint of okay the x's and o's of it i'm just like what this what i don't understand like why yeah i'm just i'm not i don't want to beat a dead horse but it's that fact like really irked me today in in a way that it hasn't all year i totally get it and i think sometimes you know whether it's paralysis by analysis or just overthinking things too like at the end of the day 
if Justin Jefferson, like you, there's always repercussions, there's no perfect coverage, right? As, as right. you're kind of mentioning, right? Yep. If I have to, if I have to choose my poison and I end up at the end of the game and I look back at the film and Justin Jefferson toasted my off zone coverage where people are trying to communicate and Jair Alexander's not even near him, I'm going to be mad at myself. If yep. I put Jair on him through the majority of the game and Jefferson just beats him, I will tip my extra I large will live Jair Alexander that. hat. <laughs> <laughs> to, to Justin Jefferson and say, right. well done, sir. You got us. That's the, we've got the highest paid corner in football. We will right. live and die with whatever happens with that. They did that more in this game and it really paid off. They let him compete. And I miss, yeah. that's what I've been saying all year. Just let your guys compete. I mean, to your point, you paid him all this money. Go let him compete. Uh, you also mentioned communication, which I will say watching some of the all, I haven't got all the all 22 down yet, but Man, the communication on the back end was so good yesterday. And then you couple that with just the attitude on defense, the physicality. You All the guys, the moment the football was caught or the back would get the hand up, like you talk about rallying to the football. We've heard Matt talk about all 11 guys to the ball, like all, rallying to the football. That materialized yesterday in a big way. There was some, I can't remember who it was, a wide receiver screen out in the flat where there are four dudes there, like almost instantly. Like that's not the Packers defense that we've seen throughout this season. They were absolutely up for this one. And the communicate, but the, and my point in this was we've seen them like that, like keyed up, like talking, like the Buffalo game is a good example where they're, they've got a lot of like energy, right? But the communication's not there. There's all sorts of breakdowns. They're passing people off to nobody. Didn't see any of that yesterday. Yesterday, they were so on lock as far as when they were in zone looks, it was almost seamless as far as, okay, here comes the crosser. You've got him. Okay, you dropped a depth. Eyes on the cube. Like, it was so good in a way. It, I, I was shocked in the sense that I have not seen that all season. No, I, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that when you really do see the all 22, one of my favorite things that you can see at times is a team almost like an amoeba, like move as a team. And right, we haven't right. seen we haven't seen this team move as a team much at all this season. It's a lot of individual yeah. guys doing their random stuff. This is the first time I got the feel that this team is moving together, rallying to the football, see ball, hit ball, and just reacting in a completely different way than we have seen them react. And I, I, I had to ask Matt about Darnell Savage because when a player like that gets benched, it can go one of two directions very quickly, right? Either the message received and, okay, I've got to be better or you shut down. And it's just like, you know what? Right. I was a first-round pick, three-year starter. I don't need to do anything different. You just guaranteed my full salary next year. You right. got, you know, I don't have to do anything different. Um, and the fact that I, I felt like Darnell Savage, even going back to last game, there's no pick last game. That was a different Darnell Savage in the second half against the Dolphins when he got in there, a more aggressive, uh, just a um, just a totally different player. And I saw that carry over into this game. He gets the pick six. Like to see a player like that respond. Same thing with Rudy Ford to some extent. He got completely right. benched. And that Dolphins in game, Miami, in Miami, right? And even Ennis Gaines ends up being in the the dime before Ford gets back on the field, and then he comes back, plays a major role in this game, and has the huge pick. So guys responding to that adversity is a, another key takeaway from this game. And it was interesting. I'm glad you brought Savage up because even with uh, the performance yesterday, and and what we're talking about as far as the cohesiveness on defense, it was very clear uh, throughout stretches of this game that they were going after Savage once they yeah. saw him in there. Like there were a number of times and they absolutely got completions on him, but he never, to your point, never went in the tank, never got too down about it. Definitely came back and bounced back and, and just had the mentality you've got to have as far as, okay, that was that play onto the next. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, flipping it over to offense, Zach, Tom, man, we're going to hear a lot about, uh, everybody else. We're going to hear about Aaron Jones. We're going to hear about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to hear about Christian Watson, even though he only have one catch, blah, blah, blah. But man, Zach, Tom, what a find and just another solid performance. Uh, you know, again, I'm not sitting here like saying I'll sign him up for an all pro anytime soon, but man, this is what his fourth different position this year. And he comes in and maybe not flawless, but I tell you what, you didn't have to change a single thing when it comes to your offensive approach. Nope. And he, he's out there on an island on a whole bunch of these plays holding up Z. But Z was absolutely blanked all day. I mean, that's for the rookie to do this is fourth different position. Come off the bench. Just a phenomenal performance from the young man. And four different positions in games, but he absolutely spent time at center in training camp and in mini camp at times too. Mm -hmm. Like he has been all over the place for a rookie. Uh, Not like he's coming from Alabama. I mean, it's a good school, whatnot. But like this is, you know, to have this sort of performance, uh, you know, I I can't imagine that anyone expected that coming in. And then, um, you know, you, I said earlier this this past week, I'm like, he's one of their best five. I had a, I had a hard time like saying like which one of the other five should get taken out. Should, for who that should time, get taken out? Like, yep, it's, it's hard to me. Clearly, he's one of the best five. Um, ultimately, Yash goes down with it. Sounds like a, just a little bit of a nick, and then they put him in at right tackle, and I just like we're not going to mess with that. So they keep him in there. I'm going to be really interested to see now, like, do they do some sort of rotation? Is it just Zach's job now? Does Yash go back in there as the starter next week? But man, either way, this team now legitimately, in my opinion, has six really sound starters along the offensive line. I'd like to see a little bit more from Josh Myers at time, but still the difference, the, the talk about difference in, in play from week one to the, to this week, going from Yash Nyman at left tackle and then Runyon <laughs> Myers and then yeah. Hanson and Newman at the Hanson and Newman, baby. That's, to, a, to this that's a fire drill right crazy. there. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, obviously the, the difference is night and day. It's noticeable. Um, it was interesting to me to see how much they tried to get outside on this Vikings defense in the run game. Like there was a whole kind of slew of plays where whether it was pulling, you know, linemen to try to get out there or a pitch from the shotgun. Um, it's fascinating to me because like that game in Miami, I kind of tweeted out last week when I was rewatching it. So frustrating on some of these short side pitch plays. Like they weren't very successful in Miami. They broke two big ones against the Vikings with that uh, once to the right and then once to the left on a on a guy I have it down. 
it's like that's just like a perfect example of okay execution versus play calling right like you can decry the play call all you want but man when it's executed and it's and some of these it was just big dog sealing the edge like it's so gorgeous to watch and aaron jones has such a good kind of feel for when okay now i can cut it back or no i gotta press to the outside and try and get the edge um just a great great job by look i i don't think anyone's confusing the Minnesota Vikings defense with the 85 bears anytime soon. But um, as far as how I expected them to attack the Vikings, I didn't expect that. And I don't think the Vikings did either. I don't know what they saw on tape, but they clearly saw something that yes, they the Vikings were exactly. susceptible. It was very clear that that was something that they wanted to attack time and time again. I absolutely love that little play where it's what third and short, second and short, and they've got Guara up like right behind Rogers. And yes. That kind of right behind them. And Rogers just does a little pitch to the outside. That was a beautifully, beautifully designed and run play. Like you said, uh, a lot of the times it's, uh, you know, as Ben Fennell always likes to say, it's the, and a lot of other people, but Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. Yep. Uh, you can draw up a perfect play. If your guys don't go out and execute it, it doesn't matter all that much. This was a beautiful blend of good play calling and amazing execution. You called out Mercedes Lewis. I posted the play on Twitter. There's the one play where Daniil Hunter is a good two yards to his right. That's the one. <laughs> That's the his one. Right. And this is not like some, you know, backup fourth string edge rusher. This is Daniil nope. freaking Hunter, who he has in a completely disadvantageous position against. He has to get to the outside of Hunter, who's already got a massive advantage on him. And then not only that, but take this premier edge rusher who's played as a defensive lineman the majority of his career and seal him to the inside. So for a tight end to get to the outside of Hunter, who is two yards out, you know, outside of him already, and then seal him so that Jones can get a 15-ish yard run to the outside. It's just teaching tape stuff. And I know Lewis gets a lot of credit for his blocking. I still don't think it's as much as he deserves. He is so fun to watch. It is so great when he gets his hands on guys and just erases them. Sure. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's almost unfair, but um, I'm going to take it. I'll take the advantage. No doubt exactly. about it. Um, it. It's interesting looking at the fact that the Packers come out and they put up four, they're winning 14, three. And at this point, I think they've gotten like two first downs, like the slow starts on offense to me. I'm not going to say it's concerning because at this point, the Packers are playing with house money. They got to win each and every week. We all know this, but man, it's like, there's, I don't know what it is, but man, they, they just come out of the gate on offense. Just, I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's a lack of execution up front although I suspect not Rogers seems a little hesitant early in games, but it's noticeable now. Like the fact that each and every week, their first drive, their first handful of drives. Again, I don't know if it's the openers. I don't know if it's the quarterback. I don't know what it is, but that's something that I think they've got. I mean, no doubt they're going to look at it. They're going to try and correct it, but like that is something where that needs a shakeup, whatever their approach is at the moment. I don't know if they need to hire Nathaniel Hackett in, get him back in the building, what it is, but it's something that I'm not going to say it has to be drastic, but I think they have to move in a very different direction. there. I think you can still see at times that this offense is just a, a beat off every once in a while. And right. whether it's the deep shots to Christian Watson, where, you know, the one Watson has his chance to get his hands on it, just can't come down with it. Tough contested right. catch, no doubt about it. Rogers probably could have put it a little bit more in front of him too. Um, the other ones where it's just one was way out of bounds. One was uh, far ahead of him, et cetera. Well, probably the one, the very first one, I will say I, in Rogers defense, that first one, Watson absolutely gets bumped way yeah. past the five yard marker. You know what I mean? So absolutely. the timing's off there because it it's out in front of him. But if Watson's not bumped, it's right yeah. in stride. Yeah. Uh, but yes, they they were definitely off yesterday. 
Yeah. So some of those were just like a, a hair off and then red zone offense still is having its, its hiccups at times. And oh boy. I, I mentioned yeah. this, you go back to that Lions game that these were the, the five times that the Packers said that they had the first and goal from the Lions five, zero mm-hmm. points, first and goal from the Lions one, zero points, first and 10 from the Lions 23, zero points, first and 10 from the Lions 14, three points, first and 10 from the Lions 17, zero points, five drives that first and goal from inside the lines 23 yard line they end up with three points on those they lost by six red zone offense is going to be a massive uh you know point of emphasis this week and deservedly so gotta be although you know it's amazing what happens when you just line up in i form and run aj Dillon. i'm cr- i know i'm crazy i want to talk to you about that actually because someone was was chirping at me on twitter about aj and i know that you have uh you know you do your grades every week and blah 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 and I know you haven't been particularly kind to AJ, and I think okay. I think it's warranted in in some instances. But for me, like that touchdown run, right, and some of the other runs where they're doing they're utilizing him in a power situation versus the stuff they clearly want to try and keep defenses guessing when they pitch it to him, right? And they do try some of the outside stuff that traditionally Jones has been really good at. And it's not been as effective with AJ, especially there was one in particular that Z really kind of messed up for them down in the red zone where AJ takes the pitch to the left. And it's like exactly what I was talking about earlier with Aaron Jones, where he has an innate sense of when to cut it up, when to try and go backside and when to go to the edge. Right. Like, I know how I can see how the blocking is setting up and I'm going to take it. AJ seemed to get caught in no man's land in on that play. Yeah. And I think that happens like it's not his kind of bread and butter. It's not his forte. We all know he's a power guy. Got to get him going. Got to get him touches. To me, that's there. AJ is being not held hostage. He's a bit of a victim, though, in the sense that, like, they want the offense to look the same no matter who's in there, right? When AJ's in, they want to be able to run the same plays. And sometimes it's out of necessity because Aaron's taking a breather or is hurt or whatever. Like, that happened yesterday. Um, But I don't think that that stuff suits him as well as the obvious power stuff, the obvious kind of off-tackle stuff, maybe the classic zone stuff. But I think when they utilize him properly, for lack of a better word, he can be as effective as anyone in the league. It's just that because this offense has to keep the back in certain situations, it doesn't play to his strengths. And I think sometimes that he gets caught uh, the victim of that circumstance more than anything else. Agree with everything that you just said. Um, one thing I will say, I do have him as my fifth highest graded player on offense. So uh, definitely unkind there at times, but I do think November, December, January, AJ Dillon is a real thing. I do oh, think yeah. he starts getting going a little bit more as the season goes along. I've said for a while, I do think at times Jones and Dillon are almost a victim of each other, where just as Jones gets going, then Dillon comes in. Just as Dillon right. gets going, Jones comes in and so on and so forth. And I do think when we have seen these prolonged A.J. Dillon games where he ends up getting 15, 16, 18, 20 touches. That's usually the best version of A.J. That's Dillon him. that we've seen. That is him, yes. You know? so I, I do think that sometimes he is a little bit of a victim of circumstance based on what sort of positions that he's getting put in, not only with the offense that's being run. I think they have great confidence in both of these backs to run any play for any running back at any right. time. They, they do, and, but and, I think that's part of the problem. I, I not, it's not really a problem, but I, I, again, I think that's where you A.J. Focus is focus for him more. 
And, and I think that's something that they can probably do a better job of. And to, to your point, like I, I would like to see both of these running backs get more touches in the red zone because I went back and Aaron Jones had something like you know, double digit touchdowns like three years ago. And then it was like nine. And then last year it was like four. And then this year it's mm-hmm. like two. So like, you're just talking about like, it's, and it's not Aaron opportunities, Jones, it's just, it's opportunities yeah. right? So, yeah. uh, you know, you got to get that guy, the ball, you got to get Dylan, the ball and some opportunities. They're two different tools in your tool belt. They need to be used in a little bit different ways. And I think Green Bay can do a little bit better job of that moving forward. So we'll see about this Detroit game coming up this weekend. They still haven't announced, uh, the time we know it'll be on Sunday, uh, we don't know if it'll be the night game. And hell, with the Jags-Titans game going to Saturday, you got to think there's a good chance the Packers are playing at night. Although, who knows? You Let me ask know you this. Because in that situation, if Packers play night game, Seahawks right. play before. If Seahawks mm-hmm. win, Detroit is eliminated. I'm kind of of the feeling. I almost would rather play Detroit with something to play. I feel like there's oh, a lot of I pressure. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't like, agree more. If Detroit doesn't yes. have any, like, if they have no longer, like, the burden of, like, if we lose this, the the playoff. Like, Look at the game lose. last year in Detroit. Yep. Detroit had nothing to play for, and they were, like, pulling out triple reverses, like, fake field goal. Like, they yeah. don't care. You know Dan Campbell's going to have something ready. Like, he don't he don't care regard. He doesn't care when he does have something to play for. Seriously. So, like, you know, I, so part of me wants the pressure to be on Detroit, too. Yeah. Um, and not yeah, just on so. Green Bay. So, It'll be interesting to see what, you know, sort of competitive advantage they, they you know, feel out with that process because those two yeah. games probably should be at the same time. I just don't Agreed. know if the NFL cares if they want. I know exactly. If, if they can get those eyeballs, they don't they don't yeah. really care about any of that. Um, it's funny. You're worried about the Packers in a pressure situation, the team that can make any single thing as hard as possible at any given moment. I don't know. I'm more worried about the lions in a non-pressure situation. I think the lions, <laughs> I, I, I want the lions you. to feel that pressure too, is, is right. more where my head's at. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you. Well, regardless of what's at night, during the day, whatever, I'll be talking with you about it the next day, every week, right here on Cheesehead TV. Andy, can't thank you enough, man. Thanks for stopping by uh, each and every week to talk to you.